0: Welcome back to Painting the Corners Offseason Preview. Uh, We are moving on to the American League now, starting in the Western Division. And uh, yeah, just same as our last few episodes, we're going to be breaking down how each team did last season, what they lost, what they need to replace, what they need to add, and if we've heard any rumors about where they're looking, who they're talking to, we will get you filled in on that as well. So let's get into it. Let's kick it off with the reigning World Series champion, Houston Astros. Man, they are a certifiable dynasty now. I don't think there's any denying it. Uh, Six straight trips to the ALCS. Two of those resulting in World Series wins. Two others resulting in World Series losses. That is quite a resume over a six-year span. And yet, the good vibes did not exactly roll into the offseason because they parted ways with their general manager, James Click, uh, did not resign him, offered him a one-year contract, which he rejected. And right now the owner, Jim Crane, is pretty much acting as the, uh, the spearhead of the front office.
1: Yeah, he is. And I wonder if that's somewhat reflected in the contracts he's already handed out and the aggressiveness in which those contracts were handed out because so far, he has locked down two players already, prob- arguably had the best offseason up to this point for any team. And there's definitely arguments out there that they were aggressive contracts. Not that the players were bad to get back. They were good players. But he went out and got Jose Abreu, $19 million a year. Last year's $19.5 million for a three-year span to cover that first base hole. And then he also went and re-signed Rafael Montero for that pen to a three-year, $33.5 million deal. While the $33.5 million for Montero is probably not egregious, he definitely had his breakout season last year. So there's some question to giving him significant money. And then with Abreu, it's less of the fact that he doesn't deserve $19 million. But it's an aggressive deal in the fact that it's an aging first baseman who is having trouble with vision. Uh, That's clearly shown in his statistics where he's struggling to hit velocity. I don't know if it's the smartest deal, but at the same time, you just won a World Series and you add guys like that to your your roster. It's tough to say they did a bad job so far.
0: Yeah, absolutely not. The third year for Abreu in my opinion, it was always going to take three and reportedly he had multiple three year deals on the table, one from the Padres and another one from the guardians actually. Um, at least those are the reported ones. There may be others as well, but yeah, I mean, he's going into his age 36 season. So this will cover 36, 37, 38, you know, on the face of it, that doesn't look good, especially when you consider, as you said, he's struggled with velocity the last couple of years. Um, but he still hits breaking pitches exceptionally well. He's like, if you look at his his baseball reference page, dude hasn't missed a beat. Um his OPS has been 820 and above the last four seasons. Obviously won MVP in the short 2020 season. So he's got that upside. He's a decent defender at first base, not gonna be a, a brick there. So he's an outstanding player. He should be very good next year still. Uh, as for the two years after that, obviously we'll have to see how it goes.
1: But, man, this lineup is scary, man. It's really scary. Just the infield alone has to be a top three infield in baseball. When you roll out Jose Abreu, Jose Altuve, Jeremy Pena, and Alex Bregman, that's pretty loaded. And then you have to bounce to the outfield – Where you're rolling out even more loaded, maybe. Right. It's arguably more loaded with Kyle Tucker, Jordan Alvarez, left fielder DH, kind of platoon or splitting time there for sure. And then Chaz McCormick and Jake Myers, that's a loaded outfield. I mean, they are just so young and so good. It's really scary because the biggest thing for a World Series champion. And in order to repeat, you somehow have to improve. You cannot say stagnant. You have to improve somehow. And a lot of times that's very difficult, and that's why repeating in baseball is so, so hard. But where do they really have to improve the most? Probably first base. And they went and got arguably the best available guy out there. So yep. they're doing their job.
0: Absolutely. I mean, yeah, the position player core – is probably unmatched in baseball at the moment. We'll see where other free agents land. Uh, certainly those big shortstops can influence the, the rankings, but yeah, that's just insanely deep and insanely talented, super high ceiling for the Astros. So they're pretty much set on their position players already They're, I mean, they could stand to upgrade a catcher for sure with Martín Maldonado back there. Um, Going into his age 37 season, he has been solid for them. He's an excellent game caller, excellent receiver. Uh, But they would certainly like to get a little more offense from that position. And to that end, they have been talking to Wilson Contreras' camp, uh, the best free agent catcher available. He would be obviously a massive offensive upgrade over Martin Maldonado. Um, Been one of the best offensive catchers in baseball the last few years. There was rumblings about him going to the Astros at the deadline, and reportedly the owner, Jim Crane, nixed that deal uh, because he was not comfortable with Contreras' defense and taking over the pitching staff in the middle of the year. So do you think those concerns will carry over to the offseason, especially now that Crane is in a more prominent position to negotiate these deals? Or do you think since it's the
1: offseason, his concerns are kind of a Well, I think it's pretty clear that those concerns have been pushed to the side because it's the offseason. But it still surprises me that they have such an affinity for him all of a sudden. Because I understand the whole thing of Contreras and pitch calling, and game calling, and picking up a team midseason, but you did the same with Christian Vazquez. Now I understand that Vazquez is definitely better at that sort of thing. But it's clearly not a issue of, well, we just don't acquire catchers at the deadline because we believe that you know they can't figure it out in time. It's clearly a contreras issue. So if you have an issue with him, it just surprises me that they're really aggressive on him now and not looking to sign someone to maybe supplement Maldonado instead of, you know, tower over him in innings caught behind the plate this year. But I will say. It's such a good fit. The only thing that comes to mind is, does Crane want to spend the money? Because they've already surpassed last year's payroll, and luxury tax-wise, they're about 36 off of the first luxury tax penalty threshold. Do you think that because they won the World Series, they're more comfortable now spending more? I don't even know about
0: that. I mean, I think probably yes to an extent, but I think... Crane is just kind of on a roll right now. I think he's loving it. I think, you know, he's obviously coming off a World Series Championship. Now he's running the front office. He's already signed two deals. He's feeling it, you know, and I think he's just kind of going to go as far as he wants to go. And I think that means he wants Wilson Contreras because we've heard some pretty strong rumors out of that uh, corner of the free agent market. And I mean, quite honestly, this team would be. I hesitate to say unbeatable because it's baseball, but it would be the best offensive team we've seen in a long while. And we haven't even talked about their pitching yet. And I mean, gosh, you just look at this list. It's such an insanely deep team. And the fact is that almost all of these guys are homegrown players. Altuve was an international signing by the Astros. Bregman Tucker, Pena, McCormick, Myers, all in the draft. On the pitching side, McCullers they got in the draft. Valdez, Javier, Garcia, Urquidy, all international signings by the Astros. This is just insane player development and scouting. And the fact that they have just been able to turn out this much talent without relying on trades and free agency means that when they do go into free agency, they can be aggressive because they know that they have the scouting and the development to replenish those holes once their other
1: younger guys leave. Totally, and that was reflected not only in those guys that you listed, but look at the bullpen. I mean, last year they ran, or excuse me, this upcoming year, if the season were to stand or if the season were to start tomorrow, they'd be running out Ryan Presley, uh, Rafael Montero, Brian Abreu, Hector Neeris, Ryan Stanek, Phil Maton, and so on. But Ryan Stanek, career year. Hector Neris, career year. Brian Abreu, seemingly out of thin air. Rafael Montero, career year. They went and they picked out these guys. And granted, that might have been a little bit of credit to James Click for identifying them. But they clearly have scouts and people in place in this front office that are able to identify Really, really good players. And they did it with Jordan Alvarez. I mean, they fleeced the Dodgers. Who else can say that they fleeced the Dodgers? The Dodgers gave up on him for nothing. And granted, he was a lower-level prospect at the time, but look what he turned into. They just consistently seem to do this sort of thing. And if you can and you have the confidence in doing so, to your point, you're just going to continue to sign bigger deals like the Abreu one. might be a little over market value, but you're not stressed.
0: Right. Exactly. That was the point that I was trying to make there. So I mean, what do you even do if you're the Astros? What what holes do you fill?
1: I mean, at this point it's really just a catcher position. You like your rotation of Valdez, Javier, Garcia, Yurikiti, McCullers, and then, you know, Hunter Brown and Forrest Whitley after that. I think that's solid depth. Maybe sign another minor league guy to a major league invite type deal. The bullpen's loaded, you know, depth, you can never enough of that but they're fine up the top of it I don't know man Uh, they've been rumored to want a corner outfield lefty swinging bat type I'm assuming that would be to play left field that way Chaz McCormick's playing center full-time and Jake Myers I'm guessing they're not super high on him or maybe they're more uh, maybe they're good just kind of going back and forth between him and McCormick but you know do they go back and get Brantley to play left field for them I can see it I can totally see it. I don't know if they do it, though.
0: Yeah, I think he's a bit more of a. He kind of overlaps with Alvarez in that kind of DH left field spot. I think with the Contreras fit, you know, on days where Contreras is catching, you probably put Alvarez in at DH. If Contreras is DHing, you put Alvarez in left field. It's a pretty solid balance there. I don't know. I mean it's
1: just such a loaded team. I can't get over it. No, I know. It really, really is. And that's what's going to make it so difficult for the teams behind them to catch them. You kind of need to situate... It's very similar to the NL West in a lot of ways. Astros and Dodgers run those divisions, and they're seemingly going to for the next couple of years. But you get a team like the Padres to sneak in there. Or, might I say, the Mariners, who, again, seem very similar to the Padres... Can they make the playoffs enough times to where eventually they get over that hump to pass the Astros?
0: Alright, Logan, we got some breaking news. It's not you breaking it for this for once. I get to break Whoa. the news. Hey, no cheating. Sorry I cheated. What I don't know what happened. You. <laughs> According to Jeff Fassen of ESPN. Right-hander Zach Eflin and the Tampa Bay Rays are in agreement on a three-year contract pending a physical. That was my guy for the Padres. I wanted the Padres to go get him. But uh, good on the Rays, spending money, getting a proven guy. I think he'll be great for them.
1: Totally, and we'll definitely talk more about that in our upcoming NL East, excuse me, AL East episode for sure. So with the Mariners now, What do they need to do to try to at least close the gap, or if not close the gap in the regular season, close it in the playoffs? Well, the first thing I'll say is that the
0: gap was a lot closer than the 3-0 sweep. Uh, That's for dang sure, because the first game they had them dead to rights. Two-run lead in the ninth inning, the Alvarez walk-off homer killed that game. And then the second game was... uh, they also had a lead, it was 2-1 and then Alvarez had another homer in like the 8th <laughs> inning or the 7th inning to win that one. And then of course the third game was 18 innings long and it was 1-1 nothing. So gosh, I mean that series easily easily could have gone the other way. And that's not to say the Mariners are a better team. They're just, they're clearly not a better team than the Astros, but they're also they also can hang with the Astros. They've they've shown that for sure. They can they can play them close and play them tight. And in terms of that single series, getting over the hump was just, you know, a matter of Robbie Ray throwing his fastball three more inches inside and, you know, somebody getting a clutch hit and it was not it was not a matter of their team was bad. This offseason though, what can they do to improve? Well, they've got a good core. They definitely need some more thump in the lineup. That's pretty much the most obvious line of improvement for them because the rotation is is solid it's very good the luis castillo logan gilbert robbie ray george kirby it's a very good top four and marco gonzalez is a solid fifth starter nothing no complaints with the rotation and then you got julio in center field obviously great piece you got ty france at one corner eugenio suarez at the other corner cal raleigh broke out last year as a as a good catching option just traded for Teoscar Hernandez in right field. Currently have Jesse Winker penciled in at DH, Jared Kelnick penciled in in left field, Dylan Moore at second, and J.P. Crawford at short. I think the big upgrades are going to come in that kind of portion of the line, of the uh, roster. The DH left field, second base area, and the upgrade at second base could be moving Crawford to second base if you get a shortstop, although they have said previously that they're pretty committed to him at short.
1: Right. And so that's where I think this latest rumblings with the Mariners kind of comes from. They're really wanting to go out and get a lefty second baseman. So, you know, that means trading for Colton Wong potentially. I don't think they re-sign Adam Frazier. That just doesn't do too (laughs) much for them. So I think they'll look away from there. That kind of limits them though, you know, Yeah, there's just really not too many available besides Wong in the world. So it'll be interesting to see if they're able to come through with that. We also know that they are very much open to going after that left field position, like you say. One might say, wow, they have so many outfielders. They got Kelnick. They got Winker. They got Rodriguez. They got, you know, Trammell, if he ever figures it out. They got Teoscar, right? They have all these guys. But left field is not quality. so." that's where they might go after Michael Conforto, who they've been rumored to go to like. That seems like a good fit too. And if they don't fill the second base hole, running out Dylan Moore and Abraham Toro to start the year, is that ideal? No. But can you fix that at the deadline? Yes. I think their rotation and that bullpen is good enough to where if they have a hole at second base, they're going to be okay.
0: Yeah, and... To be honest, I think they ought to give Toro a good long look as the starting second baseman. He's a switch hitter, got him from the Astros um, at the 2021 deadline in a move that was kind of widely panned at the time. But he's got a lot of potential. The Astros obviously liked him, so that's kind of reason enough to like him. But had a bad year last year, and I think if he gets the opportunity to start, he will he will turn things around a little bit. Um, just for a little comparison here, I was mentioning how the Astros had so many homegrown players. Just looking at the uh, Seattle roster here. So they took Cal Raleigh in the draft, third round. They signed Julio Rodriguez internationally. In terms of the rotation, they got Gilbert and Kirby in the draft. That's it. That's their only homegrown players. Two starters and two Guys in the line, I haven't looked at the bullpen yet, but I didn't really talk about that for the Astros either. And the Astros had all five of their starters homegrown and like six out of the nine position players homegrown.
1: That's just unbelievable. Nah, it really is incredible. And we know Jerry DePoto loves to do trades. He's done almost 200 in his tenure with the Mariners now, (laughs) which is unreal when you think about it. 200 trades from one guy. Um, and it's not like he's been there for 40 years. So but yeah, the Mariners are clearly an active team. You know they're going to get creative. And I think another thing too is we talked about that outfield depth that they they do have outfield depth, but they need to prioritize getting a left fielder. Well, that probably means Jesse Winker's out the door. They already mm-hmm. traded away Kyle Lewis to get Cooper Hummel, who's a little bit more flexible on defense, can even catch too if you if you need them to. So I imagine that, let's say they go out and get Michael Conforto, or not that I like this fit, but let's say Andrew Benatendi, because they clearly want a lefty hitting player. I guarantee you Winker's gone. The other interesting thing to me, though, is if they really want a lefty hitter, I'm surprised that they aren't just sold on letting Winker try to bounce back.
0: Yeah, and we talked about this in the Padres episode a little bit, but there have been some question marks about Winker's makeup and attitude and effort last season. Um, he was injured for part of the year, did not play well at all when he did play. Uh, so, I don't know. The Mar- He may have just kind of overstayed his welcome in Seattle, and they're not even going to give him a chance to... To bounce back I don't think that would be smart necessarily but that's kind of the vibes we're getting from the
1: Seattle rumor mill yeah no it is which is very interesting for sure but I like the outlook of this team I like what they've done so far getting to Oscar Hernandez that filled a glaring hole so it's always nice when teams go out and fill holes it's a lot right. easier on the brain than let's say AJ Preller when he decides to go Get a bunch of shortstop short short after there's and like then, five of them already. Yeah. Right, so definitely easier there on the brain.
0: Hey everyone, it's Johnny with some post-pod updates here. We've got a trade for the M's. We know Jerry is never afraid to make a trade. And he has traded outfielder Jesse Winker and utility infielder Abraham Toro to... The Milwaukee Brewers for that left-handed second baseman that we were just talking about, and that being Colton Wong. We already talked about this trade from the Brewers' perspective back in our NL Central uh, episode. But from the Mariners' perspective, it certainly plays to a weakness that they had. They were really short on second baseman. They had Toro, but he was really their their starting option there. And Wong is clearly uh, a better bet then Toro no denying that but it is a little worrying to thin out your depth like this whenever you trade two major leaguers for one um you know your depth obviously takes a hit so they're gonna have to replace Winker's production in the lineup uh somewhere else whether that's in free agency with another trade or just with an in-house option remains to be seen but um yeah we'll uh, we'll see what else is on the table for the Mariners
1: once you get past these two teams to the top of the division, it definitely gets weaker, but the stars don't. The Angels are absolutely loaded when it comes to star power, yet they continue to find ways to miss the playoffs by a long shot.
0: It's I've always said this. This is the Angels are the greatest example of why baseball is a team sport and why it's not basketball. Because you can have the top two players in all of baseball, in their primes,
1: and win 73 games. Right. And it's really, like you said, on display here in Los Angeles. Anaheim. And it's really sad because it feels like you're wasting the careers of Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. But the Angels have continuously, year after year, done a terrible job of constructing a roster around these guys. I don't know what the affinity is with signing big contracts to position players, you know, AKA the Anthony Rendon contract, but they just hate starting pitching. Apparently they've seemed to kind of shift. And I don't know about you, but what they've done this off season I've liked.
0: I have too. I have too. And unfortunately it's given me hope again, which is always a bad sign. Um, <laughs> But yeah, the Hunter Renfro deal, I really liked. I liked him as a target for the Padres, actually bringing him back. Uh, former first-round pick. He's going to hit you a lot of home runs. Not going to have a high OBP, but he's going to play good defense in right field or left field, wherever they play him. Got a great arm. Um, I really like that trade with Milwaukee. Didn't cost them too much in terms of prospects because it was somewhat of a salary dump from the Brewers. Uh, we already talked about that from the Brew Crew's perspective And then the other move they made was signing Tyler Anderson to a three-year deal. And while I like that move kind of on paper, I'm still a little hesitant as to how it'll pan out because Anderson had a monstrously career, like his year last year was so much better than any year he's ever had before. I hope for the angel's sakes that he's actually you know, figured something out and he won't turn back into a pumpkin, but... Being deprived from the Dodgers pitching lab and being put into the Angels pitching death, you know, land. I don't know if that's going to work out very well for him. Um, But honestly, the rotation wasn't even the problem last year. The rotation, they allowed like the eighth fewest runs in baseball last year. So the problem was the lineup. And, you know, pretty clearly the problem was the bottom half of the lineup because the top half was great or the top three or four guys at least so yeah that's the part that they really need to fill out um the Renfro deal goes a little ways with that first of all just getting Rendon healthy would go a long ways he's still such a good player when he's on the field or at least you know fully healthy and on the field he's been playing through injuries the last couple years but you know that contract would look a lot better if he was actually playing that's for dang sure um, so let's take a look, actually, a little closer look at their lineup. Obviously, they got Trout in center, Shohei DHing, which is, you know, minorly unfortunate because you'd like to have that DH spot freed up for other guys. But obviously, you're not going to complain with the two time reigning DH of the year in there. <laughs> and uh, then you got Taylor Ward in left. They have him in left and Renfro in right. That'll be a big, big X factor for the Angels. Whether Ward can sustain that breakout that he had last year. He tailed off a little bit in the second half. Hopefully that was just, you know, kind of fatigue. Maybe some smaller injuries creeping up on him. Hopefully he can really, you know, regain that first half form. He still had a great overall year. He was just absolutely on fire in the first half. So that'll be big. With, with a Ward-Trout-Renfro outfield, I think that's solid. I don't think there's any weak links there. I think all those guys are... Legit major leaguers. I think that's a a good outfield to be happy with. The infield, not so much at the moment. You got Jared Walsh at first, who came up in 2020, got a cup of coffee. 2021 looked like he was a future star. Um, Really hit the cover off the ball. You know, just looked like a great piece for the Angels. Um, A homegrown talent. A 39th round draft pick. Wow, that's a crazy, crazy stat there. But unfortunately, this year did not have the same production. Uh, Only hit 215. Didn't walk at all. Didn't have any power. Um, So Angels are going to be looking for him to turn that around. I don't know if they have any real options behind him. I heard that he was kind of on the trade block, which is kind of weird to me. I think they just got to kind of run him out there and, and hope he improves. Um, second base, they've got Luis Renjifo, who actually, you know, turned himself into a fairly solid player last year. He's not going to have a high OBP, but he gets his hits. He has a few home runs. He plays solid defense. You know, he's not a, he's not a dead weight. Um, and then the shortstop position. That's the real big question mark. You got Rendon at third, but shortstop. They traded for Gio Urshela. He really shouldn't be an everyday shortstop on a playoff team. I don't know. This is where I start to look at the payroll and say, do you have room for a top shortstop?
1: And speaking of the payroll, they've already surpassed last year's total, which in it of itself is a surprise for the sole fact that, like the Nationals, their owner is looking to sell. Artie Moreno, he's out, pretty much decided that. So they're looking for a new owner. So it seemed likely that they were not going to spend much this offseason. But in fact, they've gone out and spent more than majority of the teams, if not the most. So given that, there's clearly a last ditch effort in his last year as an owner to just see what can happen, give you know front office green light to do what they got to do. How far? does that green light, or excuse me, how long does that green light stay on? That's the question. And like you said, if it's still on, they got to go figure out shortstop. Unfortunately, they're paying David Fletcher and Gio Urshela like $16 million combined. So if you don't play them, obviously one would probably play a little bit a second, and one of them was going to have to sit, which is why I find it unlikely, given how the Angels tend to work however if you want to get somewhere you got to improve that infield because even if Rendon stays healthy having a combination of Fletcher Shella, Ranjifo and Walsh isn't going to win you many games no that's four question marks right there exactly so given those question marks I think less of a question mark for the first time that I can remember is that rotation Is it absolutely loaded and insane? No, but I don't hate it by any means.
0: Like you mentioned
1: earlier, they got Tyler Anderson. You know what Shohei's going to bring, but three guys that are kind of under the radar but pitched pretty well last year, the likes of Patrick Sandoval, Reed Detmers, and Jose Suarez. All three of these guys are pretty underrated starting pitchers.
0: Yeah, Sandoval... 150 innings of 2.91 ERA ball. Sign me up for that for sure. Um, you know Shohei's going to produce, of course, as long as he can stay healthy. Fingers crossed. And then Anderson should give you middle of the rotation production. Detmers hopefully can take another step forward. Obviously threw a no hitter last year, so he has some serious upside. Um, if he can figure out uh, kind of a put away pitch and, and get some more strikeouts, he can be really deadly. Suarez is more of a 4th, 5th starter guy. But still, all five of their projected starters had an ERA under 4 last year. And I don't know when you could say that about the Angels in the past because it's been a while. So that's good. I, <laughs> I like that. Good job, Angels. Um, unfortunately, the bullpen is not quite as rosy. Their current projected high leverage relievers are Jimmy Hurgit Ryan Tapera, and Aaron loop. And, you know, while there's things to like about all those guys, they're also at the same time, not exactly
1: Edwin Diaz and Sir Anthony Dominguez. No, they're not. And they tried the Jimmy Herget thing at closer last year as the year kind of wound down and it worked. It definitely worked, but I don't know if you can trust a guy like that who isn't chucking up upper nines to consistently, go a full 162, and be good at the closer position. I think Ryan Tepera has the best outlook there. But again, none of those guys should close. If those three guys are your 6, 7, 8, I think you can stomach it. But from the looks of it, I don't know if they go after a closer and who that would even be at this point if it's not via trade. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, it's
0: pretty barren out there in the bullpen. I mean... Beyond those three, you got Andrew Wants, Jose Quijada, Jaime Barria, Oliver Ortega, just not really big names. Tucker Davidson, who they acquired from Atlanta in the uh, Rice-Hell Iglesias deal. I don't know. I mean, it certainly would look a lot better if they had the guy that they traded away last year at the deadline, rice Glacius. Iglesias. Yeah, I mean, in the minors, they have some options, Um you know, nothing that completely jumps off the page for you, but they did sign Chris Davinsky to a minor league deal with a non-roster invite to uh, spring training. Um, <laughs> in a in a long, long, long shot scenario, there is Ben Joyce, the 105-mile-an-hour uh, fastball guy from the Tennessee Volunteers who the Angels drafted in the third round last year, sent him straight to AAA and he honestly held his own there um actually excuse me double a um he held his own in double a he'll probably start the year in triple a if he dominates there it would not be a shock to see him in the major in the uh angels major league
1: bullpen by midsummer no it certainly would not so yeah i think the biggest question right now for me with this team is are you going to spend more and if they do Please do it smartly. <laughs> I know. We, we, we say this because we really root for the Angels because you everyone wants to see Otani and Trout in the playoffs. Just given what they're putting on on the field right now, while it's better than last year, I don't think that gets them over the hump, especially in that loaded division where they're going to have to play the Astros and Mariners often. However, at least there's that extra playoff spot. So who Well, knows? yeah, and
0: there's the balanced schedule. We haven't mentioned that at all. Um, new schedule right. format coming to MLB next year. Every team is going to play every other team at least three times, uh, at least one series during the year. So obviously, if you get more games for non-division teams, you have to face your in-division teams a little less. So that helps for teams like the Angels who are in a good division. Although, I mean, that also means they don't have to play the Rangers. They don't get to play the Rangers and the A's as much.
1: So always a bit of a double-edged sword there. Totally. And so speaking of those Rangers, they had quite the disappointing season. Now, I don't necessarily know if that is because they underperformed as a team or if the excitement was so high because of the offseason they had probably set the expectations too high. I would say so. Yeah. Combination. So... Given that Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager were the two guys last year, throwing a John Gray and a well-underperforming Cole Calhoun, what do the Rangers really need to do this offseason to supplement what they did last year? Because they can't stand put and do nothing.
0: No, they can't, and they won't, because they've got money to spend. Uh, They've got a new GM in Chris Young, and they've got a new manager in Bruce Bochy coming out of retirement Um Obviously, he of the three World Series titles with the Giants, also a longtime Padres manager. Um, It's a very interesting, it kind of caught me off guard when they hired him. I didn't really um, know he had that many Texas connections. He does have a connection to the GM, Chris Young, uh, who was a player for him in San Diego. So um, I guess that shouldn't have been too surprising, but I think he's going to be a good fit there. Hopefully, they can put some more talent on the field for him because I don't know that he could have made a winning team out of this year's club anyway. Uh, I'm sure that he couldn't have, actually. But yeah, they're going to be aggressive. Ownership has green-lighted more money to be spent. They've got a new stadium. They want to fill it up. Their fan base is strong. Um, So it's just a matter of, at this point, finding out where your holes are and what the best way to address them is, because we know they're going to be aggressive in addressing those holes. So with that being said, there's a lot of holes. <laughs> it was, right. it was not a good team by any stretch of the imagination last year, only 68 wins. You've got Seeger and Semyon locked up. Um, I don't know. Neither of them really produced to the level that you were expecting and hoping from them last year, but at the same time, you just got to kind of hope they bounce back next year. So the the rest of the infield, you got Nate Lowe at first base, who actually had a really, really good le- year last year. So they're hoping he can sustain that production. Across the diamond at third base, you're going to be looking at Josh, Chung, Josh Young, who was their first-round draft pick, eighth overall in 2019. So he's been hyped for a long time. Hopefully he can come up and, you know, dominate off the the start. Uh, He got a cup of coffee last year, 100 plate appearances. Didn't perform that well, but that's all right. Um, Let's see. And then the outfield, it's not much. You got a Adoliz Garcia, who had a good year last year. Um, Never going to be a high OBP guy, but he's got the defense and he's got insane power. Kind of like a Hunter Renfro type we were just talking about with the Angels. So he's a solid player, but the other two spots are really up in the air. you got Josh Smith and Leody Tavares, and neither of those guys uh, have very good track records in Major League Baseball.
1: No, you definitely have to improve one of those two, if not both. I think you can stomach just improving left field and running Leode out there for 500 at-bats this year and seeing if he can maybe produce a little bit more but you got to improve one of those too you can't run out what you have so that's obviously glaring hole there in left field especially in my eyes but like you said that infield i think you can get by with 100% obviously the up the middle duo and the corners they provide enough value to where if they repeat last year or improve then they're going to be chilling in the infield and on obviously Jonah Heim and Mitch Garver as your catching duo is really really solid so definitely yeah that's going to be your your main focus is the outfield now where do you see them playing in that market because they also clearly have holes in that rotation
0: they do they do but i really would not count out a big splash in the outfield and by big splash i mean Brandon Nimmo um, I think he would be a really solid fit for this team. I think if you have Nimmo and Garcia in the outfield, your defense is going to be really strong out there. He's obviously a great bat. They do have a few too many lefties in the lineup in that scenario, but one of them is Josh Smith and one of the other ones, Brad Miller. So it's not exactly, you know, key pieces there. So I don't think that would be a problem. Um, So I think Nimmo would be great. But yeah, you mentioned that starting rotation. They're going to need to do some work there too, for sure. And they've already started. They got Jake Odorizzi from the Braves. uh, Solid pickup. You know, he can slot into the back end of that rotation. He's not going to have great upside, but he's going to give you an ERA in the mid-fours. Hopefully 160, 170 innings. And then beyond that, they've got John Gray, the big signing from last year. He pitched decently. Um... Didn't really stay on the field too well. ERA just under four. And then their other starter coming back is Martin Perez, who had a career year, 289 ERA, all-star for the first time. Um, gave him the uh, qualifying offer. So he's coming back for another year. But beyond those top three, and I even hesitate to include Odorizzi in the top three because he's really not a third starter anymore. You've got Dane Dunning, and Glenn Otto rounding out the five uh, as it would stand right now. They've got, you know, a little depth behind that. Spencer Howard, who they acquired from the Phillies, he used to be a top prospect, kind of fell off. Um, Cole Reagan's in their AAA system. Cole Wynn, you know, not anybody who really jumps off the table for you. Uh, Lower on in the minors, they do have Jack Leiter, and Kumar Rocker, uh, I don't really see them making an impact this year. But, you know, in terms of future outlook, that's good. You know, they probably don't need to invest too much long-term in the rotation. As long as they hold it over for the next few years, they should have reinforcements coming uh, by 2024, 25 ish I don't know. What are you thinking about the rotation? Where do you think their targets are going to be?
1: Yeah, I think... They should be shooting big here. And the reason I say that is because they've shot big offensively. Right. And so now it's time to supplement. But in the mound, they really don't have much committed beyond John Gray throughout 2024 and beyond. Martin Perez obviously accepts a disqualifying offer, like you mentioned. So Martin Perez probably not repeating last year. mm hmm probably a good chance that he becomes a free agent in 2024 and walks if not signs a cheaper deal to return same with jaco to Rizzi. so you have two guys in your rotation that are coming off the books if you have the financial means this year which they're basically at the same payroll as last year and i'm assuming they have a lot more flexibility given that they're only at 140 million right now I don't know. There's some big dudes out there right now that you could totally go get. Now, if they miss out on them, they definitely need to improve. They need to get at least someone in the you know, Jamison Tyone, Tywan Walker range. But if they don't go that route and they want to get one of the big dogs, I don't think that's a crazy idea at all. I like them with Carlos Rodon, and that's been mentioned a lot, that they're more likely seen as a fit for him than that of Jacob deGrom.
0: Well, if I'm not mistaken, you did predict Degrom to the Rangers, did you not?
1: I did, and and I I'm, I'm a little biased because of my prediction, but I really do think that they should make a big splash in the rotation.
0: Yeah, um, I I would not be shocked at all. I think they're probably uh, up there with the top candidates, uh, if you think in Mets, Dodgers, Orioles, even maybe, but. Um, I think the Rangers can be mentioned in the same breath as the Mets and the Dodgers when you're looking at who's going to go after a, a big name starting pitcher
1: this offseason. Right. And we've seen that within the rumors themselves already. So, it it should be a fun offseason again for the Rangers. That let's just hope that those moves pan out and translate to wins this year.
0: All right, it's Johnny here with some post pod news again. Um, we have a blockbuster from the Texas Rangers. As Logan predicted, they go big. They go massive. They go for the best pitcher in Major League Baseball, Jacob deGrom, and they had to go big to land him. Five-year contract worth $185 million, a $37 million AAV. The second biggest AAV for a pitcher in history, the sixth biggest contract overall for a pitcher in history. Wow. Um, We'll see how it pans out. Obviously, a huge risk with the injuries that he has dealt with over the last few years, but undeniably the best pitcher in the game when healthy. So the Rangers make their big strike, and they are looking to contend in 2023. And I would like to mention, I forgot to mention this during the Angels section, but I'm very high on their new catcher, who they acquired at the deadline, Logan Ohapi, from the Phillies in the Brandon Marsh deal. I think that he's going to be a very solid contributor. Hopefully that starts this year. Uh, Hopefully he can step up for them pretty immediately. But even if not, I think he's got some, some good years ahead of him at the catcher position.
1: Yeah, totally, totally agree there. So let's get to the most exciting team in this division, <laughs> the Oakland Athletics. Man, Woo. all right, name me ten players on their roster. All right, hold on, let me just pull up a list.
0: <laughs> no,
1: um, but no, yeah, there's not, there's not much excitement there behind besides the the catcher position. So, what's their goal? What's what do they need to do this off season to consider it a success in your eyes?
0: Um, well, their payroll is at 50 million. Uh, excuse me. No, that's where it was last year. It's at 35 million currently right now. And frankly, I think that's way too high. I think they need to slash some payroll. They need to get rid of their overpriced veterans. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Um, of course. But yeah, (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the A's owner is actually saying that right now. They do not have any guaranteed contracts. They only have four arbitration eligible players. So if you do some quick maths here, 26 minus four, 22 of their players will be earning the major league minimum next year. I don't know if I've ever seen that for a team. I've been following this closely for a while, but (laughs) well, they don't all suck. Um, (laughs) So basically, well, I I was about to come up with a counter example, and I couldn't. Um, No, there's there's a few a few gems in the rough, but the Arab eligible players, they got Tony Kemp, Ramon Laureano, Sean Murphy, Paul Blackburn. Murphy is probably going to be traded. Um, Yeah, Laureano was suspended for PEDs. He had a good year in twenty. What is that? Eighteen or nineteen or something like that. Tony Kemp is not really an everyday player. Paul Blackburn's a decent back end starter, and then yeah, beyond that, you've just got the the major league minimum guys. Um, there's some trade acquisitions. JP Sears, who they got from the Yankees. Um, Seth Brown's a decent piece, although he's been mentioned in trade rumors. It's not really much of anything. Um, you know, it's it's like the. The pirates, kind of, you can, you don't even know who the pieces are going to be. The star, oh, I mean, even even less than the pirates. In the pirates, you can see, okay, it's going to be um, O'Neill, Cruz, Key, Brian Hayes, and Brian Reynolds. You know, that's a, the beginnings of a core at least. Whereas with the A's, it's like I, I, any of these players could be gone in two
1: years. Yeah, this is easily the worst team in baseball next year as it stands, and they would have to do a ton to even get to the second worst team. It's so bad. It's just so, so bad. They have a solid slew of starting pitchers that they're going to throw out there. Like Cole Irving was pretty good last year. Paul Blackburn doesn't suck. You know, it'll be fun to see JP Sears and Ken Waldechuk this year. Mm -hmm. Two guys they got in the uh, Frankie Montas deal, but yeah, man, there's not much going on here in Oakland yeah the the real thing and the reason that they're probably not the worst team on paper when it comes to just adding up total wars because of their catcher positions sean murphy and mm-hmm. shea, langleyers, shea langleyers yeah they're probably two of the better catching du- or it's probably one of the better catching duos in the entire sport so they have that going for them but like you said sean murphy probably is wearing a different uniform on opening day so Yep, Yeah, and it's
0: just a position of strength for them um, because they have Langoliers there backing up. Um, outside of that, yeah, they just really need some of these trades to pan out um, and quickly because, you know, they've got Sears and Waldachuk in that in that Montas deal. Um, they're sitting on Christian Pache, who they got from Atlanta in the Olsen deal. He did not really do anything last year. They're really hoping he pans out. Beyond that, it's not really too many names um, that you recognize. The bullpen, you know, there's A.J. Puck, who they've been sitting on for a couple years now, trying to get him going, trying to get him healthy. Um, He just really hasn't found it yet. He had a good year last year, actually in sixty six and a third innings, three twelve ERA. They tried him as a starter, tried him as a reliever. Uh, I think it looks like he's going to stay in the pen, at least just to keep him healthy. But um, yeah, the goal for the A's is just let the kids play and hope that uh, somebody really develops and uh, you know becomes a
1: an all star level player, so then you can trade him the next year. Yep, couldn't have said it better myself. So, probably not much more to talk about with Oakland, other than hopefully they get a new stadium situation figured out here soon. But other than that, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Painting the Corners. Starting off our American League saga here, we'll get into the Central and the East in our upcoming episodes. Um, But thank you guys so much for tuning in, and Yeah, check out our previous ones. This is our fourth one on breaking down divisions. So if you haven't heard the NL versions, go check them out. See ya.